Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Evangelist Ricky Leonard explains how God's Word is faith food. Praise God. Well, I'm blessed to be here today. Uh, those of you that weren't here last week, you, you missed my report on Pakistan. We had a, had a wonderful time in Pakistan. Uh, that's the first time I've been there in more than 30 years. I had never been to the Lahore, Pakistan area, which is in the uh, central part of the country, just below the Himalayas. Uh, I get invitations all the time to Pakistan, to India, get dozens of them every month. But you have to go where God sends you. You don't just go where you feel like going or what sounds cool, uh, because uh, if you do that, you could be in serious trouble. And especially in a country like Pakistan, you just don't go there to say, I've been to Pakistan, you know. Uh, if the Lord doesn't lead you, you could be in serious trouble or never make it back alive. Amen. And there is a present and real danger in that country at all times. And you're aware of that when you're there. But this is what I tell people all the time. If God calls you and sends you to a place like that, you have no fear. You don't need to worry about anything. He's not sending you there so you can get blown up. You could get blown up right here. He didn't have to send you to Pakistan for that. Amen? So when I go there, I go there and preach the gospel. And I'm walking down the streets in Lahore, Pakistan, uh, walking to Muslim shops, and I just feel like I'm in Wilmington. I just have such a peace. I'm just at home. When I lay down to sleep at night, I slept like a baby. I didn't have any problems sleeping. I didn't worry. I didn't fear. And, you know, I met some of the most awesome people, Christians and non-Christians. You know, when you get out of the city, the city... Big cities, even here in the United States, do something to people's brains. I mean, it, people that live in big cities are not normal. You know, they're just, I, I can't relate to them. I don't know how they function in that chaos, you know. It's like organized chaos, if there is such a thing. But when you get out of Lahore, Pakistan, and, and I went to several smaller cities and villages, the people are very loving, very kind, Muslim people. And, I mean, they'll be happy to invite you into their home, give you a meal, you know, they want to know what America's like. They've never been here. You know, they want to tell you about their family and their children. And, you know, life is life, and people are people everywhere. But uh, several hundreds and hundreds of people receive the Lord in Pakistan. Muslims, all Muslims, receive the Lord. It is a Muslim country. There are many Christians there, though. Be aware of that. When you hear about these countries, Afghanistan, Tajikistan and all these stand countries and, and these other Muslim countries realize that there are Christians there. There are a lot of Christians there and they need prayer. They really do. They're under persecution all the time. And uh, we did an awesome thing in Pakistan. I was there on Palm Sunday preaching at a church in downtown Lahore. They had over 2,000 people sitting on the street to hear the gospel. Women come with their full burqas on, black outfits with just their eyes showing. There, you know, if they, this was filmed on television and shown in over 200 countries. And if their husband or their family see them on TV, they might not survive the night. But they're willing to sacrifice that because they're hungry for the things of God. And they come there and they receive the Lord and they get set free. So praise God, we had an awesome time. Real quick before I start, uh, I... If you don't know, I've written a book called High Adventure Faith. It's got my testimony in it, but also some powerful teaching on faith, how to live by faith, walk by faith, also how to hear the voice of the Lord. What does God sound like? How can you be led by the Spirit? What does that mean? And why do we need to live by faith? It's a command of God that every Christian should live by faith. What does that mean? You live by trusting God, not yourself. You live by trusting God, not your skills, not your job, not your abilities, not your education. You trust God to provide everything for you. And this gives you a lot of insight and scriptures for that. Uh, I just wrote a new book called You Can Know the Will of God. It's a very small book, but it's powerful. I'm asking $10 donation for these and $3 donation for these. You can know the will of God. God's will is not a secret. He's not trying to hide it from you. But there are steps you need to take to find out the will of God for your life. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, most of you are familiar with that. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
God has a plan and purpose for every person on this planet. I tell people, if you're breathing, God has a plan for you. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter if you've never done anything for God. doesn't matter if you're in ministry right now. Sometimes God changes the plan. Sometimes he rearranges the plan. So this is a powerful book. It'll really set you free. If you know somebody that needs one of these, get some. They're on the table back there. $3 donation. Amen? Praise God. All right. I want to talk to you today about something very special to me, and that is God's word is faith food. We all need food to live. Some of us need a lot of food to live. Some of us show the food we need. Amen. We eat too much of it, but praise God, I don't have any problem with people enjoying food. Amen. I enjoy my wife's cooking. She's an awesome cook, and uh, I appreciate the gift that God has given her and the diligence she's taken to learn how to cook and to bake, and I enjoy that all the time. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Now, let me give you the program. While I'm speaking today, every place I speak and minister, people get healed while I'm speaking. So some of you have come here today, you've had pains, you've had problems, you've had bone spurs, you've had headaches, you've had problems with your eyes not focusing, you've had problems with your knees, maybe an old accident you've had, an old sports injury, you may have had it for 30, 40 years. Today, that may disappear while I'm speaking. It happens in every meeting I speak at. When I preach and do crusades in other countries, and we're doing a crusade with three, four, five thousand people, ten thousand people, I tell them when God heals you and your pain disappears, your sickness leaves you, I want you to just wave your hand at me while I'm preaching. Don't stop me, just wave your hand. And you can ask my wife or anybody that's been with me in these other countries, every place I've ministered, people are waving their hands while I'm preaching. People that come late have no idea what's going on. They think it's some kind of wave cult. And everybody's waving their hands, but, you know, miracles are happening. After the service, we have people come up and give testimonies. What did God do for you? Why were you waving your hand, you know? Uh, I injured my knee in an automobile accident when I was 12 years old, riding with my dad, and uh, I'm 45 now, and today, for the first time ever, the pain disappeared in my knee, and I can bend my knee all the way. We have testimonies like that all the time. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But Jesus said to him, he said to Satan, No, the scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, you know, here's how cults and denominations are started. They don't live by every word. They live by some words. They pick and choose the words that they want to hear, the words that tickle their ears, or the words that fit into their denominational beliefs. And they live by those words. But God said we need to live by every word in the Bible. Now, I say that I believe the Bible. There are things in there that I don't understand. To be honest with, I've been a Christian since 1975. I've been a devout studier of the Bible since 1975. God gave me such a hunger for the word of God when I first got saved. I couldn't put the Bible down. I was just addicted to the word right from the beginning. And I've studied it, and I've read it, and I've looked up all the words in the Hebrew and the Greek, and what do they mean, what what did it mean in context of who they were speaking to at that time, to the culture of that day. You know, a lot of things that Paul said, I'm going to write a book on that one of these days, a lot of things the Apostle Paul said people take today as doctrine how they need to live their life, but Paul was speaking to the culture of that day and of that time, and it doesn't apply to us today. If you see the pictures that I sent back from Pakistan on Facebook and the ones I I showed in my newsletter, you see all the women have head coverings. When I go to Africa to preach, most of the women wear head coverings because the Bible says you can't pray without your head uncovered. Paul said that, but he was talking to the culture of that day. It has nothing to do with today. You don't need your head covered today to pray. It was a cultural thing he was speaking to. If you notice, a lot of times Paul said, I, Paul, say. He didn't say, thus saith the Lord, or this is scripture, this is what God commands you to do. So be careful. don't take things out of context. Read things in their setting and go back and find out who was he speaking to when he said that. Now notice here, 
that God, that Jesus was speaking to Satan. He said, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is where Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And Satan started quoting scriptures to him. Now, just because it's scripture doesn't mean it's gospel. Scriptures can be taken out of context. Scriptures can be taken out of, uh, out of place, spoken out of place. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the, the cults and things in our country today, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, and other cults like that, they don't use whole scriptures. They don't use the scripture in context. Because if they did, it would bust their bubble. It would, it would show you that they're a false cult. They use a half of scripture. And uh, Jerry Seville had a funny story years ago. We had an old cassette tape that we used to listen to of his many, many years ago. And some guy in the meeting stood up and he said, uh, Well, the Bible says that in this world we will suffer tribulation. So I'm suffering. And he sat back down. And Jerry said, What? That's not what the Bible says. He said, yes, it is. Here it is. Let me read it to you. And the guy got up and he read, in this world you will have tribulation. So I'm tribulating. And he sat back down. <laughs> Jerry, said, Jerry said, open that again and let's read it. Now read the whole scripture. In this world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. That's right. See? So many people want to make a doctrine out of part of a scripture, and, and, and they're willing to even die for it. I mean, you know, uh, we've got to be careful to not take things out of context when we read the Word of God. And we've got to be careful that whatever we do, it has to glorify the Lord. If it's not glorifying the Lord and it's not blessing people, you know, I hear a lot of these so-called prophets today, and all they prophesy is doom and gloom and negative stuff. I don't believe those are true prophets of God. Not every prophecy is a feel-good prophecy. If you're a true prophet of God, you will preach some negative, you will speak some negative things sometimes. You will speak some hard words sometimes. But if that's all you speak, you're a false prophet. Be careful. There's a balance in Scripture. And God doesn't just come at us with complete condemnation. In every place that Jesus spoke, when Jesus gave a parable, many times he spoke the negative side first, but then he gave the positive side. So if there's a negative prophecy, there needs to be a positive side to that prophecy at the same time. You know, God has seen you and judged you because you've rebelled against him. This is an example. And, and you are being judged for the evil you've done in your life. But... Today, if you will turn to him, he will forgive you. Amen. See, there needs to be a, a positive side to that. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So how does, this, how, do, how does our spirit get faith that our intellect cannot obtain? How does our spirit get faith that our intellect can't obtain? You can't understand everything that's godly. You can't er understand everything that's spiritual. Because these things are spiritually discerned. They're discerned only by your spirit, only by the Holy Spirit that lives in you. There are many things that Jesus spoke that confused the people of his day because they were thinking in the natural five-sense realm, and he was speaking in the spiritual realm. Tear this temple down, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it back up in three days. He was speaking of a spiritual thing. They thought he was talking of these rocks and stones that people had put together which took them many years to build. So they couldn't understand, how can you build this temple back in three days? That's impossible. And they were right. In the natural, it's impossible. But how many of you know the things that are impossible with men are possible with God? Amen? Hallelujah. So through reading and meditating on the Word, uh, we get this understanding. So if you turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and this is one you need to memorize. And uh, I'm quoting from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I like that version. It, it takes the, the complicated things and makes them more simple. But it doesn't take the importation away from it. It says, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Now, the King James says this book of the law. But it's talking about the Word of God. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. And 
you are to recite it day and night that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. If you meditate on the Word of God, if you dwell on the Word of God, what does it mean to meditate? It means to mull over, to think over, to rehearse over and over and over again. I'll tell you, when I hold meetings and they want me to pray for the sick in one meeting, I don't like to do that, and I'll tell you why. Because you've got people in a meeting that come from every kind of background, every kind of teaching, every kind of denomination or non-denomination or every kind of heathen background. And when I'm praying for them, I want them on the same page I'm on. I want them believing. You know, we get asked this all the time. Why do you see so many miracles in these other countries that you don't see in America? Because the people have a simple childlike faith. They said, when Ricky touches me, I'm going to be healed. How many people in America in my healing lines come up and say the same thing? Very few. A lot of people say, well, I hope it works this time. I've been prayed for six times already, you know. Uh, you know, if he doesn't pray for me, you know, if, if I don't get it this time, I'm just going to give up and, and go get on chemotherapy because I'm going to die anyway, you know. That's the way people are thinking. We've got to think in line with what the Word of God says. So we need to meditate on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We need to meditate on the promises of God. Somebody did a study. There are over 3,000 promises in the New Testament or in the Bible. Over 3,000 promises. Find one that, that applies to your life today and begin to speak that promise. And you know, when you begin to speak that promise, begin to see yourself with the answer. Begin to visualize yourself being able to walk again, be able to run up and down stairs. You couldn't do that before. Your back hurts, your hip hurts, your knees have a problem, your feet have problems. But see yourself with that picture of you running up and down stairs. See yourself with that picture of you bending over without any pain. See yourself with that picture of your family being saved in church with you on fire speaking in tongues, worshiping God in front of the church. you got to see that picture to make it a reality because then when you see it, you can call it into existence. But if you can't see it, you have a hard time believing it. So when people come for prayer and they don't see themselves with the answer of the prayer, they have a hard time receiving it. If you're looking at the problem, you won't have faith to be healed. If you're looking at the problem, you won't have faith that your situation can change. Because the problem is being magnified, not the answer. When you magnify the answer, hallelujah. You know, for years I haven't been able to do this, but now I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to be able to, you know, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I'm going to be able to just go and go and go and not run out of energy anymore. I just see myself doing that. You see, when you get a picture of yourself doing that, that's who you become. Because that's the real you. And I get so tired of people telling you, well, Ricky, you know, you're not that old. And you got, I just spoke at a meeting the other night in Durham. And I was the youngest person there, I think, except for one other couple, a pastor and his wife that came. Everybody else was in their 80s, 90s, or whatever. They were, they were up there. And I get the same response from these old people all the time. Well, when you get my age, you're going to, you know, then you'll know, you know, what I said, listen, I've been hearing that since I was 39 years old. When I was 39, some well-meaning Christian came to me. Well, you know, brother, when you get 40, you're going to start having these pains. When you get out of the bed in the morning, you're going to start having these aches. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I will not have any pains in my back or anywhere else. Well, you know, when you, when you start getting older, you're going to have to wear glasses. I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. My eyesight is perfect. Amen. You know, when you get this, when you get that, what age do I have to get it to have all these different things? Listen, the Bible said Moses was 80 years old and his eyes were not dim. He had the strength of a 40-year-old man. He was sharp. He, was, he had his wits about him. He could hear from God clearly. He was able to do whatever he wanted to do. That's the example I want to follow. I don't want to follow somebody that's broken down and having lots of problems and still suffering. You know, thank God you're working on it. Thank God you're speaking the word and you're, you're getting there. I'm not criticizing that. But what I'm saying is that we have examples to follow. 
Jesus said that we need to follow his example. We need to live like him, speak like him, and do what he did. Jesus always prayed the answer. He never spoke the problem. He never prayed for one person to be healed. He just spoke the answer. He told the man laying on the cot that they, that they lowered down through the roof, take up your bed and go to your house. He didn't say, let me pray for you. Oh, Jesus, heal this man. He just said, take up your bed and go to your house. And the guy did. Ten lepers came to him. I've been in leper colonies. Man, it's, you can smell these people a half a mile away. It stinks. Rotting, stinking flesh. I've been in these leper colonies. Highly contagious. No cure today for leprosy. There's never been a cure for it. There's a treatment that helps people live a little bit longer before they die, but they're going to die very early. Your extremities, your fingertips, your nose, your ears, your toes, literally the circulation stops and these digits fall off. You pick up something one day and three fingers fall off. You don't feel it because they're already dead. They have their hands wrapped up, their feet wrapped up, a mask across their face because their nose has rotted away. They just have a big hole in their face. It's horrible looking. And they're literally dying as they're alive. And there's nothing you can do about it. I've been in these leper colonies. I've hugged these people. I've prayed for them. Jesus did the same thing. The Bible said he touched the leper. You can't do that. But Jesus did it. I did it. But ten lepers came to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Did he lay hands on them and pray for them? Did he cast out that demon of leprosy? Not everything's a demon. What did he do? He told them the end result. When you're healed under the Levitical law in Leviticus 23, you go show yourself to the priest and the priest quarantines you for a week and then another week. And if you come back and your sores have started drying up, he pronounces you cured from leprosy. So evidently God did heal people from leprosy in the Old Testament. But he told these ten men, go and show yourself to the priest. He didn't pray for them. He didn't lay hands on them. He didn't do anything. He just said the end result. The end result is that you're already healed. Go show yourself to the priest. And they believed him and they went. And as they went, were they healed when they believed him? I think they were. Because Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, when you pray, believe. But it says, as they went, they were healed. They, it manifested. They, they saw and felt the healing in their bodies. Amen? One of those came back. Why did he come back? To give thanks. That was one reason. But that wasn't why he came back. He did give thanks. But it says he was a Samaritan. He wasn't a Jew. He couldn't show himself to the Jewish priest. So who was his high priest? Jesus. Of a, the author and finisher of our faith. And the author of a better covenant founded upon better promises, right? And what happened to him two verses later after he thanked Jesus? It says he was made whole. His nose came back. His ears came back. Fingers came back. You see, these other nine were deformed. They still can't work. They still can't provide for their family. They're still going to be criticized in society. They don't have the disease anymore, but they can't do anything. But this one was restored and made whole. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, you could be healed. The New Covenant, you can be restored. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So we've got to continue to meditate on it. It says, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night. You ever notice the Jewish people, if you watch television, they're praying at the Wailing Wall. They've got this funny little box on their head with a leather strap around their head. You know what that is? That's scriptures. They put scriptures in there, and they're meditating on that as they're praying the word. That's why they bow. They're meditating on this scripture over and over and over. We need to do the same thing. Meditate on what you desire to come to pass. Amen? Amen. So Jesus was speaking in Matthew 4, 4, spiritual food. He was using a natural human idea that bread to convey the thought of spirit, uh, to convey a spiritual thought. The word is spirit and faith food. The word of God is a, to the spirit of man is like natural food to the body. So we need to feed on the word of God continually. We need to find those things in the word. You know, the Bible, you can't just open it up and, and here's a, a whole list of things on 
on blessings. Here's a whole list on things that uh, pertain to finances. No, there's no list in the Bible like that. You've got to dig them out. It's hidden treasure. It's there for you. And this is why so many Christians today are weak in the faith, because they don't spend time digging in the Word of God and finding the answer. And it's so easy today because we have so many commentaries today, so many other people that have already done the research for you. All you've got to do is Google it. You know, Google miracles, Google uh, whatever, and it'll give you tons of scriptures. People have already done it for you. But still, Christians are lazy today, and they come to church and expect somebody else to just give them the answer. They expect the prophet to prophesy to them what God wants to speak to them. Well, why don't you go home and lay on your bed and hear from God yourself? You know, I've always looked at it this way. I don't want to hear what somebody else has to say. Now, if God wants to use somebody, fine. But I'm not really seeking somebody to speak to me all the time. That's secondhand knowledge. I'd rather hear it from the source. I'd rather have God speak to me. Now, I don't always like what God says, but praise God, I receive it, you know. So a lot of times he rebukes me and, and tells me thou art dumb. And I mean, I receive it because it's God speaking to me. Amen. If we're off base, I want to know it. Many times when God uses me to prophesy to people. We were speaking at a church in, uh, in Martinsville, Virginia. And after the service, I was just getting ready to finish the service. And I said, if anybody in here needs a clear word from God, come on up right now. Well, the whole church came up. There was only like 35, 40 people, but the whole church came up. They even came out of the sound booth. The lady came out of the, somebody else relieved the lady in the nursery so she could come. So they lined up, and I prophesied to each person individually. I've never done that before. Prophesied to each person individually. And many times I would stop. I didn't do it to every person, but I would stop, and I would say, does that make sense to you? Does that agree with your spirit? And every person said, yes, it did. And then after that, after the service, the pastor took Mary and I out to lunch, and the pastor and his wife were talking back and forth. Should you tell him or should I tell him? Should you tell him? I said, tell me what? They said, you only know about three people in our church, but we know everybody. And everything you said to every person was right on the money. Now, I don't claim to be a prophet. But you know, if you're a believer, any of the gifts of the Spirit can operate through you as God wills anytime he wills them to. If you'll make yourself available and you're in a meeting and there's nobody to prophesy, he'll use you to prophesy. If you're in a meeting and there's nobody there that's an encourager, he'll use you to be an encourager. That's a gift, you know. If you're in a meeting and and, and there's nobody to start the giving off and and, and you have your last $20 in your pocket, God will say, hey, I have $20. I'm going to start it off right here. He'll use you sometimes to break that log jam so the church can be blessed. So God will use us if we're listening to him. So we've got to dig into the word to feed on the word of God because so many Christians are weak and sickly today, spiritually, physically, mentally today, because they're not feeding on the word of God. They're they're feeding on what somebody else's revelation is. Listen, if you get somebody else's revelation, that's already old stinky bread. You need your own new revelation. Amen? If you don't know what that reference is, when they picked up the manna that God rained down from heaven, if they kept it more than one day, it turned into stinky bread and got bugs in it. So God gives you things that are sufficient for today. And you use them for today. You don't hoard them up thinking, boy, I might not get any more of this. I've never had this happen before. I better hang on to this. I was preaching one time and somebody, people are always walking up to me and, and, and I'm not putting pressure on anybody here today. I'm just telling you what happens. People always walk up to me and just stick money in my pocket. People are always just giving me money. You know why they do? Because I'm always confessing it. But it happens to me everywhere I go. It happened to me the other night at this meeting. Somebody come and shove money in my pocket. God told me to bless you with this. I said, okay. And I lay hands on them and bless them back, you know. <laughs> I was preaching in South Carolina in Charleston. And somebody came up and shoved some money in my pocket. So after the meeting, I looked at it, and, and this brother was going to take me out to lunch and drive me to some other town where he's from to show me his ministry and what he's doing. And so we get in his car, and I, I'm curious. I just pulled this out. It's $50, it's a $50 bill. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me immediately, that's not for you. 
So I wadded it up and I stuck it in my wallet. I stuck it behind my, my lovely wife's picture and I just left it there, forgot about it. So we're in South Carolina and we're driving around and we stopped at this little burger joint out in the country and uh, just uh, almost to the coast of South Carolina and we've been driving all over the country. And uh, so I knew a pastor that lived close to there, a lady pastor. So I called her up and I said, would you like to come and join us for lunch? Oh, yeah, I'll be right over. So she came over and brought another lady with us. So there's two guys and two ladies were sitting there at the table. And uh, there was a young man went up to the counter, about 20, 22 years old, great big fellow. I mean, he was like 6'3", like 250 pounds. And he just turned to me and he said, y'all are Christians, aren't you? I said, yeah, how'd you know that? He said, would you pray? And he's talking really loud. Would you pray for me? I'm confused. Now, we got the whole restaurant's attention now. I said, yeah, come on over here. So we all stood up. These two pastors were black ladies. They started praying really loud and shouting. So the Holy Spirit said, take out that $50 behind your wife's picture and give it to this man. So I did, took it out, handed it to him. The man just started crying. He said, I can't pay you back. I don't have a job. I was just going to go for a job interview, and I haven't worked in weeks, and I don't have any money, and I can't pay you. I said, I didn't ask you to pay it back. God told me to give it to you. Somebody gave it to me. God told me to pass it on to you. So long story short, we prayed for the guy, got him straightened out. He went to the job interview, got the job. Amen? Praise God. But, you know, we've got to be prepared for these things that happen and let God use us. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Many years ago, I, I made a statement to somebody here in Wilmington, and uh, it was actually a mistake that I made this statement. I was kind of joking with him. I said, you know, you're really good about finances. You're really, you teach on, on, on marriage, and you teach on financial principles for families to live by. And I said, you're really good about that, and I stink with finances, just to be truthful. But I said, I know how to, have, I know how to stay healthy. And let people have miracles. And I said, if you'll teach me about finances, I'll teach you about walking in health. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me about that later. And I said, why are you convicting me about that? He said, because he teaches worldly financial principles. You don't need worldly financial principles. You need godly financial principles. Now, there's nothing wrong with understanding about worldly financial principles. We need to know how the banking industry works, how credit cards work, how these different things work, because sometimes it'll work for your advantage. But we also need to incorporate God's wisdom in that. God has greater wisdom. Sometimes God will tell you, I want you to just take your wallet or your purse and just dump all your money in the offering bucket when it comes by. And you're thinking to yourself, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I mean, that's all the money I have, you know. I, I may have $12 left, and I, ha- I need to buy groceries today, and I, I need to put gas in my car to get home. But there's been many times the Lord's done that to me, and it's been less than 24 hours, and I've been blessed 100 times more than that. I mean, it's happened to me over and over and over again. This is a godly financial principle, and if you follow only the worldly financial principles, you'll never get that. You'll never understand it. You'll never be blessed beyond what the world can provide for you. When I talk to people all the time, I say, you know, uh, God is your source and supply. Your job is not your source. Your wisdom is not your source. Your education is not your source and supply. God is. Because if you limit it to your job and your job pays you $600 a week, that's what you're limited to. I only get $600 a week and that's all I get. I only get this retirement check and that's all I get. That's what I have to live on. I only get this Social Security benefit and that's all I have to live on. If that's your thinking, you're limiting God to what that provides. But what you should say is, God, you see that I only get this small check every month, but I believe that if you want to bless me far beyond that, you're welcome to do it any time. I'll receive it. I'm open to it. I'll do whatever it takes. If you want me to sow that as a seed, I'll be happy to do that because unless you plant a seed, you're not going to get any harvest. So we've got to be open to the things of God because that's when we get into the Word of God, we find out this is food for thought. This is food for our life. This teaches us and trains us how to live, how to conduct our lives. Amen? Amen. Praise God. It teaches us how to grow up healthy in every area of our lives. Amen? Amen. 
Praise God. You know, some people come for prayer, and they get prayed for over and over and over again, but they never receive their healing. Why is that? And there's nothing wrong with being prayed for more than once. There's nothing wrong with praying for something more than one time. I was taught at one time in my life that if you pray for something more than once, you're praying in doubt and unbelief. But I found out that when I prayed for it the first time, I was in doubt and unbelief. <laughs> See? So you've you got to be careful with these things. I, I, in principle, I agree with that. When you pray, leave it in God's hands. Let him take care of it. But if you have a burden for it, if, if it's really convicting your heart, go ahead and pray for it again. There's nothing wrong with that. God understands us. The Bible says God understands that we are just flesh. Our friend, Brother Bert, passed on with the Lord now, biker buddy. He used to say, we're just a dirt clod with eyeballs. You know, that's all we are. So how can we say we're something glorious, something great? We're, we're nothing. We're just a dirt clod with eyeballs that Jesus scraped together and stuck some eyes in there. And we think we're somebody. It's God that's somebody. It's God that, that does awesome things. Amen? So, uh, sometimes people want prayer over and over because they don't see themselves with the answer or they don't feel the answer. You know, many times we pray, we're hurting, we're sick, we're, we don't feel well, we have a pain, we have a problem, and we pray and we don't see any difference. So we think in our head that nothing happened. Well, it depends on what you prayed. Do you believe that when you prayed, something happened? If you believe that, then something happened. Let God work. It's amazing to me that Christians will go to a medical doctor, and the doctor will give them a prescription and say, take these pills three times a day for the next 12 days, and, and your infection or your whatever will be gone, you know? And we'll do that dutifully. But you tell somebody to go home and memorize this scripture and read it five times a day. Just read this scripture five times a day for the next week. People won't do it. They won't do it. But what does it say in the book of Proverbs? My words are life to those that find them and healing and health to all their flesh. My words are life to those that find them. If you speak the word of God concerning healing, it brings life to your flesh. It brings health to your flesh. It brings restoration to your mind. We've got to speak it over and over and over and over. We learn by repetition. That's the way God made us. That's why schools teach things repetitiously for young grades. When children are learning mathematics or they're learning a science formula, you repeat it over and over. You write it over and over and over. That's how it sticks with you. And we've got to speak the word of God over and over. Jesus talked more in the New Testament about finances than any other subject. Why? He knew that people were going to have a problem with money. Money's not the problem. It's our believing that's the problem. Jesus used this phrase many times, and I like this. He said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. In other words, how do you believe? Do you believe that I'm poor and I have to be poor? I'm suffering, and I, that's my family's always been that way, and, you know, this is all I'm ever going to have, and I'm never going to go beyond this point. Nobody in my family ever graduated college. And, you know, if you've got these stupid thoughts in your head, you better cast down those vain imaginations. You better cast down those stupid thoughts because those are lies from the enemy. Amen? We've got to speak what we desire, not what we have. And that's the problem. So many times we're speaking what we see and not what we don't see. We've got to speak that end result. We have a natural human kind of faith. But we also have a heart faith, and the two are distinctly different. We have a natural kind of faith that, you know, every one of us has faith, a natural human faith. When you go out to your car today, and you get in that car, and you turn the key, or you push that button like in my car, you expect it to start. You have faith that it's going to start. When you go home, and you put that key in the door, and you turn that key to open your house door, you expect that key to work. If it doesn't work, you probably grab the wrong key. But that's what they do. It's a natural human kind of faith. You don't first go out to your car and open the hood to make sure the motor's still there. You don't have to understand how a combustible engine works to be able to enjoy your car, do you? But you have a natural faith that when I turn the key, it's going to work. We have that kind of faith. How come we can't have that same kind of faith for God? 
when I do what the Bible says, it's going to work. When I find a promise that promised me what God desires for me, and that's what I need in my life, and I begin to speak it, I'm going to have it. God convicted Mary and I recently. We were praying for thousands of dollars for our ministry. God convicted us. He said, what's wrong with millions? And then he reminded us, what I've called you to do is going to take millions of dollars. So we changed the way we speak immediately. God, I thank you that we have millions of dollars in our ministry right now. I thank you that our bank account is full of millions of dollars and more is coming in all the time. More millions of dollars are coming in all the time. And I had to even correct Mary on it one time. She kept saying millions, millions. I said, millions of what? You have to be specific. You know, I don't want millions of Nigerian Naira. That's only a couple hundred dollars, you know. I want millions of U.S. dollars, okay? I'll settle for some pounds, some British pounds. That's okay. But I want millions, you know? So be specific when you pray. And I want this to continue. It's not going to just happen one time. Well, how is that going to happen? That's not my problem, how it's going to happen. Am I being greedy? No. I probably still live in the same house. It's not a matter of being greedy. It's a matter of doing what God has called me to do. 1981, God said for me to preach the gospel all over the world. That takes money. It takes a lot of money. If you want to do it right and to reach the amount of people I need to reach. Recently, the Lord uh, talked to my wife and said, we need to start praying for one million souls. And that's just the beginning that our ministry is going to reach. And I'm 64. I'll be 65 in October. I'm not getting any younger. I'm getting healthier every day, but I'm not getting any younger. Amen? So we need to reach that million people pretty darn quick. And that takes money. So we begin to speak this money. That money's coming to us. That money's in our bank account today. Every day when I go to, the, to my, my money box at the beach, that's what I call my post office box. Our ministry post office, that's my money box. Now we've got a post office box at our house with just junk mail in it. That's all it gets. I don't, I don't go there expecting money. We get some every now and then, but I go to my money box at the beach, and I go there every day expecting to get those checks for millions of dollars. I, every time the FedEx truck drives down the street or the UPS truck drives down the street, I'm expecting them to stop and give me a certified envelope with a $5 million check in it, a $3 million check in it. I'm expecting that to happen. Why? Because it's going to happen. I see it already. I've already planned what we're going to do with that money. I already know where we're going to spend it. I already know how many people we can reach with that kind of money. I know where God wants me to go to spend that money. He's already shown me that. I've got the vision of it. You need to get the vision of where God wants to take you. Amen? Natural human faith will not heal you. But heart faith, the faith that comes from the Spirit of God in your spirit, will heal you every time. Every time. Every time. You know, I like when it says that Jesus went into the village and he healed them all. That's another vision I have, that wherever I go, everybody gets healed. Everybody. Why not? Jesus did it. The Bible said in John 14, 12, you can do the things that Jesus did and even greater things. If Jesus healed them all, we need to heal them all. Amen? And let's not get real spiritual now. It didn't say that... Oh, the Spirit of God in you touched. It said He healed them all. And He was a man. He was a man. He was the Son of Man. If He was a man and He healed them all, we're men, women, we can heal them all. What's stopping you? You know, a lot of times what's stopping us is a natural fear we have. Well, what if I pray for Him and nothing happens? Well, what if you pray for Him and everything happens? I mean, why do we always go to the negative? You know, that's another thing. You need to cast down those stupid thoughts, those stupid ideas. Well, what if I sow this seed? This is all I have. What if I sow this seed and nothing happens? You need to rebuke that devil immediately. Say, shut up, devil. Every time I sow seed, something happens. Every time I sow seed, it gets multiplied back to me. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus never just blessed somebody with a little bit more. He always multiplied it back to them. I like that. I like the way God operates. Amen? We need to operate that same way. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 21, verse 8. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, who looks at this, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at that serpent of bronze uh, with expectation, and he steadily looked at it, he absorbed the gaze, he lived. John 3.14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on the pole, so you must also lift up Jesus. The Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross. So Jesus was saying that he was a type of that serpent. He's not talking about making snake gods here. He's not talking about worshiping idols. But he's saying when they looked on that serpent, the thing that caused them shame, when they looked on that and saw how stupid it was, it's just a bronze serpent, it can't hurt me, they were healed. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to them that perish. Many people look at the cross of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ as foolishness. That was a dumb thing. Why did he give his life? But for those of us that read the scripture and understand the scripture, we realize that he was our mediator between God and man. He hung between heaven and earth. And as we look on him, we'll be healed. It's a sign of a miracle, of a healing. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. How does he finish our faith? Well, first of all, faith is something you do. Faith is an action word. Without works, faith is dead. So as we live by faith and speak faith and walk by faith, that means as we take action on what we believe, then Jesus becomes what we believe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll read this also in... uh, In the beginning, before all time was, the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself, John 1.1. The Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. As we look into the Word of God, we're looking to God. As we memorize the Word of God, we're memorizing God. We're memorizing the heart of God. We're memorizing the will of God. We're memorizing the way of God. So we've got to meditate on the Word of God. We've got to think of it over and over and over. And we've got to see ourselves with the answer. If you don't see yourself with the answer, walking in victory, walking in love, walking in happiness, walking in peace, with your problems resolved, if you can't see yourself with that, you can't have it. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you see the end result. Ask God to help you see, to get a vision of what it's like to walk in happiness and joy all the time. Ask God to give you a vision what it's like to walk without worrying about money anytime. Not ever worrying about money again. Not ever taking a care about how you're going to pay this or how you're going to pay that. Many times God calls me and tells me to do a crusade in some country. And immediately the devil comes and says, well, you know, that's going to cost $10,000. That's going to cost plus your airfare and blah, blah, blah. And you've got to buy Bibles and this and that when you get there. You know, I rebuke that immediately. You see, God just called me to do it. He didn't ask me to pay for it. When God, calls you to, when God called me to reach a million souls or more, he didn't call me to pay for that. He just called me to be obedient and do it. God never asks you to pay for anything. If he puts in your heart that in the next year you're going to give away $100,000, you don't need to start thinking, well, where's $100,000 going to come from? How am I going to get $100,000? I've never had that kind of money. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Let God take care of that part. You just say, okay, I'll be happy to do that. I'll be a distributor for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'll be a blesser. I'll just go and give money. I'll be like Santa Claus, just giving out money, blessing people right and left. It's going to be so awesome to do that. And you know, when you do that kind of stuff, you're sowing seed. And that seed's going to be multiplied back to you again. So get a vision of yourself being where you want to be, not where you are. Don't look at where you are today because that's temporal. If you don't believe that, just think back in your past life. You know, thank God I'm not where God wants me to be, but I'm not where I was 20 years ago. I'm not where I was 10 years ago. I'm not where I was six months ago. God has taken me beyond that. Okay, and if he's done that, guess what? He's going to do a lot more. 
and especially when you begin to agree with his will and agree with his word. Dig into the word. Find the promises that apply to you. Find word that backs up what you're praying for, what you're believing God for, and begin to speak that word. Father, your word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. Father, your word says that you wish above all things that I prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. So I'm speaking what your word says. I believe that I'm prospering today. I believe that I'm prospering mentally. I believe that I'm prospering physically. I believe that I'm prospering psychologically. That, that I had the mind of Christ. I'm not thinking like a natural worldly person anymore. I'm thinking like God thinks. I'm seeing like God sees. I'm seeing like Jesus sees. I, I, I'm speaking the end result. Every time I have a problem, I don't even worry about the problem. I don't even consider the problem. I'm just beginning to speak the end result. Because that's what I want. I tell you, so many times when I go into a poor area, a poor world, a poor country, or a poor neighborhood, people are always talking poverty. That's all they talk. You know, well, we can't afford this, we can't do that. We can't. You need to shut up. And I tell these people, you just need to shut your mouth because you're digging a deeper hole for yourself, a hole that you may never get out of if you keep going that direction. Put that shovel down. Stop digging. Close your mouth. Until you can speak words that edify, words that prosper, words that bless, don't open your mouth again. I told one lady, one lady come up complaining, 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 and wanted prayer, but all she was doing was complaining. She was giving me all the woes and worries and problems that her and her family had in her neighborhood, how there were a bunch of drug addicts in her neighborhood and this and that and the other, and property values have gone down, and her car's broke, and her husband's a bum, and I mean, just tell me all this stuff. I said, you know, uh, God has an answer for people like you. She said, what's that? I said, duct tape. <laughs> you need to put some duct tape on your mouth, woman. Because all that garbage you're spewing out is not helping you. It's not going to get you anything that you want to have. And You know, that was kind of dumb, but it got her attention. It got her attention. And I said, you know, from now on, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything. And I said, it might get mighty quiet around your house. <laughs> but I said, get into your Bible. Read your Bible. Find the promises God has already given you. And, and, and notice this also in the promises of God. If God has ever done it for one person, he'll do it for you. If you've ever heard a testimony that God has blessed somebody with something or done somebody for something, delivered their kids off of drugs, whatever, he'll do that for you. Because he's no respecter of persons. If he's done it for one, he'll do it for you. We've got to realize that. Praise God. Praise God. Our faith and actions must be founded and based on what the word says. Don't try to live your life by feelings or by, but what, by, or by what you see or don't see. As a born-again child of God, we walk by faith, by the word, not by any natural senses. Your five senses will lie to you. Your body will tell you it's in pain. Tell your body to shut up. Your body will tell you your eyes start starting to get a little fuzzy. You're, you need to go see the doctor and get a new prescription. Say, shut up. My eyes are getting better by the day, not worse. Amen? Your body begins to tell you, you know, uh, different things. Your five senses begin to speak to you. Tell those five senses to shut up. See, the only thing I want speaking to me is the word of God. The only thing I want speaking to me is the Holy Spirit that leads me and guides me into all truth. Amen? Praise God. Dig into the word. Find the things that God has promised you. Kenneth Hagin used to say, find two or three scriptures that back up what you're believing God for. And stand on those scriptures. That's actually taken from the old Roman law. Which means in the mouth of two or three witnesses you'll be justified or condemned. If they didn't have two or three witnesses against you, they couldn't sentence you, sentence you. Actually, Jesus' trial was a mockery because they never found two people that agreed on anything concerning Jesus. He never should have been sentenced because they were all lying and they didn't have the same story. But when we find two or more scriptures in the word of God that back up what we're believing God for. And we begin to remind God of his word. Has he forgot it? No, but we have. And we do all the time. 
I was telling this to somebody not long ago, somebody that we knew from many years ago here in Wilmington. And uh, you know what their response was? Oh, that's old school. That's old school stuff. And I said, let me get this straight now. You have cancer. You've been to Cancer Treatment Center nine times now. Now you've got a new form of cancer. And now you've got four other diseases from taking the cancer treatments because it made your body weak. And you're telling me that I'm old school and I don't have cancer. I don't get sick. I don't have those kind of problems. Maybe you need to go back to old school. Listen, if the word of God is old school, I'm old school. Amen? But I'm going to stick with what the word of God says. There may be new applications. There may be new spiffy ways of saying what the word of God says. And that's cool. That's all right. But as long as it's coming from the word, you're in good company. Amen? Praise God. Let me pray for you right now. I really feel a burden today from the Holy Spirit to pray for financial breakthrough for some of you. I really believe God is going to do some serious financial breakthroughs in this place. I had a, the first time I ever did that, I was speaking in, in Thomaston, Georgia, many years ago at an Assembly of God church. And I said, I have a real burden here today that God is going to make several people in this church multimillionaires within the next 12 months. I found out five years later, it took me five years to to meet up with this pastor again, one person in his church inherited several million dollars a few months later. Two other people, one, one person, God gave them an idea for an invention. And in 11 months, they had made two and a half million dollars or something. And we're still making money. Another person in the church, somebody, they got an anonymous check in the mail for $1.2 million. An anonymous check. Three people in that church within 12 months. I believe God can do that today. Amen? Stand up on your feet. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to get a vision of where you want to be. Where you want to be. Physically, spiritually, financially, mentally. Where do you want to be? Now say this with me. Jesus, Jesus. the picture I'm seeing, that's me. That's who I'm going to be. I will never lose sight of that picture. But I will meditate on it. I will thank you for it. I will speak it day and night until I see it manifested. And then I'll believe you for a greater picture. Thank you, Jesus. I have what I say. I will have the vision you've given me. I will have what I speak out of my mouth. Because you are not a man that you should lie. I will have what I say. According to the word of God. And it will come to pass quickly in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I release your anointing and blessing on all my brothers and sisters here today, I release the anointing to prosper mentally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, and financially. Prosperity come upon them. Godly ideas, godly inventions, godly plans. Lord, supernatural, unmistakable, awesome blessings come into them. Thank you, Father. We don't worry about how you're going to do it, Lord, but we know that you're going to do it, and we receive it today, and we give you the glory in advance. I thank you, Jesus. I have millions of dollars in my bank account. Millions of dollars are coming in all the time to Ricky Leonard Ministries so that we can go around the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, deliver those that are oppressed, Raise up the dead and help poor people be blessed. We thank you, Lord, 
for prosperity today in every form in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on God's Word is Faith Food. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and to access more teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. 